This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you that, oh, thank you for the rain that's falling on this roof, Lord. We thank you that we can celebrate just life today, Lord. We thank you that you have called each one of us to come here by purpose and by design and we are not yet to be served, we are yet to serve you and to glorify your name. Thank you, Lord. We especially pray for our nation, Lord, where there's so many fatherless and motherless children and so many of the families that are broken down. And we pray, Lord, that you bring restoration and reconciliation through Christ, through the Lord Jesus, Lord, that you will be a father to the fatherless. Also this morning, Lord, in our own hearts, there's many of us that need fathering, Lord, and we, we pray, Lord, whether it's your love, your discipline, your boundaries, your life, your holiness, come and reveal it to your word and through your word again in our hearts, Father. We, we are excited and have an expectation by faith, Lord, that you, know, you will complete the work that you've started in us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're living with somebody, then you can move very close to them. Okay, it's quite cold, so move, Umiani. You, you have still 20 centimeters left, so go close to Tani Olna. Okay, so if you're living in the same home, <clears throat> we're excited um, for what God is doing. You know, just in um, the past couple of weeks, we have so many new people that are just coming to church, especially in the evening services. And uh, some people are just coming on their own. They're just coming and saying, we want fellowship, we want community. We, uh, we want uh, the love of God. So I believe more than ever, now is the time for the church to reach out, uh, to be the heart and the feet and the, the love of Christ, to draw people in. So uh, your neighbor is ready for you to share with them the love of Christ. So we, we are finishing off a series um, on the book of Philippians, and we have a lot of themes. If you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks or basically two months, um, we were looking at this book on um, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and they were a, sort of a Roman colony, and so there was a great persecution that was coming to the church. Uh, Paul is writing out of prison. So what happened is Ephroditus brought this gift uh, to him, um, and so he's very thankful, and, uh, and he sort of writes back to them, and, and there's this beautiful... Uh, verses and uh, you know we quote many of them from Philippians chapter 1 and then we see Philippians chapter 2 is this amazing story basically the gospel of a humble king that comes to serve us and that came to lay down his life in obedience to God uh, which is probably one of the most profound chapters Philippians chapter 2 in in the Bible and then uh, we looked at Philippians chapter 3 and the theme for these two weeks is, have you checked your passport? Have you checked your passport? Now imagine you are going, how many of you have travel, traveled to another country? Okay, so raise your hand very high. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know. Okay, Bredastorp isn't another country. Okay, but so that's a, across, across the borders. But if, if you travel to another country, you hold on to this little book. You know, there's, there's probably your, your money wallet or your credit card and this little book. You just, you check this little book all the time, okay? Because you realize, like, if I lose this, I am going to be in trouble. <laughs> you know, it's going to take me quite a while. 
you know, and so uh, last year we went to Indonesia, and I've checked, I know the guy's not here, so you won't be, be shamed or anything, but um, so as we were flying up this big team, we got to Johannesburg, and then we had to sleep over, and then the next day fly to uh, the Middle East, and from there to Bangkok, and from there to Jakarta, and from Jakarta we flew to Manakwari, and then from Manakwari we traveled by boat another 12 hours and another 6 hours. So we, we traveled many, many hours to be on the outskirts of the world, there in Papua, uh, uh, Papua New Guinea, just above that. And um, and so I was, you know, going into Joburg, getting onto the airplane. Now there's quite a number of guys. Chris, how many people were we, like 20? 16, 17, uh, evangelistically speaking, 27. But in any case, so, um, you know, so we're traveling, and as we get to Joburg, I say to the people, have all of you got your passport, you know, and, um, and wonderful, everyone nods their heads, you know, and there's always, in a team of 17, if you take a mission team, there's always the three or four dreamers, the, the wow out there people, you know, they nod their head, they're always with you, but they're never with you, you know, so you appoint people to check up on them all the time, <clears throat> and so there's one beautiful guy, you know, um, he also, I, actually, when I asked the first time, I asked three times on Joburg Airport, have you all got your passports, have you got your phones, have you got your belongings, and, um, and so I was, when I asked, this guy was standing right in front of me, and he just said, look, you know, that's when we just got off the airplane, and so when we got to the, to have to drive to, um, to the people that came to pick us up, uh, we realized, like, oops, uh, passport is gone, you know, passport is in the little bag thing in front of the seat he forgot his passport there and so ran back closed up it was the last flight 10 o'clock and so we didn't get the passport so now we're phoning we're trying everything next afternoon two o'clock we're flying out and um and there's just we need a miracle you know so we go through everything send people to the embassy all that stuff or not the embassy the consulate um, and so the time ticks and the time ticks and uh, eventually they're at the airport and we're at the airport and now we checked in and finally this guy comes and, but he walks like this, he's tired because he probably didn't sleep the whole night um, and then he comes and then he pulls out this little thing and he says like, miracle because the passport flew to Natal that morning in the airport, somebody picked it up, came back again, the same airplane and eventually through a great miracle we got the passport. You know, about 10 minutes before boarding or before I had to go through the gates to go board, you know, so hallelujah, you know, so I had stressful moments in my life just with this little, with other people's little green books, you know, but the, the story you're trying to tell is that a lot of Christians, as we are foreigners to this world, we, you've come into this world with, with a little green book, it's called the righteousness of Christ, if you're a Christian, if you believe in him, you're a citizen of heaven. You're not a citizen of South Africa or Zambia or Zimbabwe. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, they have their own identity within that passport. So you have a beautiful little picture, normally 20 years younger. You look fancy. You've combed your hair. You've made up yourself, you know, so that you don't, you know, some people do look like uh, those three people out of the team, the dreamers, they look like... You know, they look like a bit wavy, but um, most people, you know, look quite nice. I'll send it around. This is quite a, a cool photo of myself, you know, and, um, but um, so your, your own identity is in, in that passport, but just your own identity on itself. So I'm, I'm using a type of modern day picture. 
You know, so, so it's great. You know, so some people, when they get this little book, they, they are great at studying the book and looking at themselves. But that's not the purpose of the passport, you know. Um, some, some, when you go through it, and I shared some testimonies like this one last week to the visa to the Islamic Republic of Iran took eight years to get. So this is just a miracle on its own. Just this little, little piece of paper. But if you check your passport, um, it's not your own passport. It's, it's the country of which you belong to that issued this passport. It's, uh, it's the righteousness of Christ. We, we can't even talk about heaven unless you have committed your life to Christ. Not church. It's not the orange passport. It's not a shofar passport and say, hey, here's your ticket to heaven. There's only one passport, and that is to be able to say, because of Jesus, what he died for, I can enter heaven. I can, I'm a citizen of heaven. But there's so many people and Christians that are great Christians, but there's just nothing in their passport. There's no stamp. They've never entered through some gates. They haven't walked through a process. And, and the, the, the stamps and the, power and the visas, those are the faith. Those are the obedient steps of our lives. Um, and so many times, firstly, we have to, the first thing you have to do is check is, have you got, got your passport on you? To, are, you, are you a citizen of heaven? Are you sure of that? Or is it because, hey, my passport expired 10 years ago. When I was a Christian then, I had lots of faith, yeah? Um, or or is, it, is it like, yeah, this, this is it. This is the thing I want to use. And this is sort of what Paul writes about and some of the themes that he talks about in the book of Philippians. And so let's catch up with Philippians chapter 3, what we read last week. Are you all excited? Are you still here? Okay, lock the doors. We're going somewhere. Um, so Paul checks his passport by saying the following, Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, but what things, and we read the old chapter, so I'm just catching up on some thoughts, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He says, if I check my passport, it's not because of my own righteousness or because I'm so great, but I've even counted all of these things lost because, hey, there's certain steps of obedience, there's certain steps of faith that I need to enter into. But it's not because of my own righteousness. I've actually counted all my pedigree, all this stuff, and he writes about that in the chapter, that I've been the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm the learned one. I'm the great one. I, I actually speak the original Hebrew. You know, I'm, I'm the original Afrikaner. You know, I can bray, and you can't bray. You know? So I'm from the original tribe. You know? Some people are laughing, and some people say, no, no, you have a dialect. No, I haven't got a dialect. I've got the original. No, no. It's, so it's amazing what we can look at. But so... And this is what he says, this, this thing is, what is the purpose of my righteousness in Christ? He says, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained, I have not arrived or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, I'm stretching forward. I'm, I'm forgetting those things that are lying behind. I can't, I can't just say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. You know, that's amazing. Nepal, visa, you know, it's amazing. And now I write books about Nepal in 15 days, tourist entry visa in 2011. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, no, no, this, this, this is great. You know, it's the when we Christians. 
What, what, is, what, is, what is the visa in your passport? You know, he says, I, I stretch myself out. I press on. And, this, and that means it's, it's sort of the picture of a resistance. Um, because I can't rely on the things in the past. I can't rely on my good stuff or bad stuff. I have to cut off those things. And I have to gain Christ because I want to know Christ. And he says, it's so beautiful. I want to lay hold of which Christ has laid hold of me. He says, and the question I asked last week is like, what has Christ laid hold of your life for? Has he got a claim on your life? And I say, yes. <laughs> if, it's, if you say, Lord Jesus, it means like, I'm not in charge anymore. I've given up my rights. I've given up my titles. I've given up everything, you know. And so when Eugene and, and Talita and Ben and Izel are, are, are flying to, you know, for a, scouting trip next year January and to India say Lord speak to us Woo! no 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 the Lord will never ask me to do something like that you know because because I'm 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 sort of I'm a reserved person I'm I'm sort of like I'm sort of like um I'm an introvert I never speak to other people about Jesus but have you ever seen a dead person talk you no, <laughs> you know, there, there's certain things that you know. There's this actually amazing I've, over all the years. You know, some people normally and 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 you know, people are going to sometimes leave the church because hey, people have reasons. Sometimes they're offended. Sometimes it's just like you know, I don't know. But I'm one of those people that stick around. So so loyalty and honoring and families if we invest that stuff but normally if people come to make an appointment with me and then they start the conversation like this my season then I realize like okay you know <laughs> and I think like I don't know if it's really scriptural if you just say my season my season of serving I feel a stop now what season <laughs> you know um, sort of like season is what no no my season of praying is stopping of my or do we say my season of worshiping is also stopping you know but but it's sometimes we use that like i felt the lord said my season is the nothing like i've heard that before rather just say you're offended or rather just be honest you know <laughs> because because hey if you're going to be committed to something, to that goal of which Christ has laid all of you, you need to press on. There's going to be resistance. There's like, you know, like, like some of these visas, they, they took eight, nine years. And I tell you, how many times did I want to give up? Or did I just say, okay, no, no, we obviously didn't hear from the Lord. And, oh, like Ezel says, ooh, the moment when you step into what God wants to do in your life and through your life, some of the most amazing Christians are going to be your greatest opposition. I call them the unbelieving believers. <laughs> no, no, have you considered this? You must be off your heads. You know, you must lose, you cuckoos. Oh, I really knew, I really knew that Herbie is going to lose it. You know, I, I really knew that there was something wrong, you know. And then slander and because I've seen that the moment when you step out, and this is what Paul is, is like, hey, I press on, I've, I, I want to lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of my life. The demands that he has on my life. Do you think that Christ can have a demand on your life? Do you think so? Come on, raise your hand if you agree. Do you think that Jesus can ask us something? Okay. 
I asked a couple of weeks, is what do you think Jesus is praying for the church right now? What do you think Jesus is interceding for the church in America? Oh Lord, that things will really go good. He's mostly concerned about things of his own glory because he's not selfish. So I wonder if we ask him, what are you praying for? Then some of those prayers will sometimes shock us a little bit. So let's go on in chapter 4. And I'm not going to read everything because there's a lot of greetings. I love the, the letters of Paul as it becomes very personal. He says, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Because remember, he's foreseeing great persecution that's going to come upon the church because of the Roman stronghold and the Roman just oppression that's coming in Philippi. He's sitting in prison. And he says, my beloved and longed for family. But then he doesn't just stop there. He uses this beautiful example. He says, my joy and my crown. He says, because he's laying down his life for them and he's sitting in chains and it's not going nice with him in the natural. A lot of people are in that place right now. But the way he looks at the people in Philippi is so beautiful. And this isn't a crown of we're going to worship them as kings. It's actually this beautiful picture of like at the Olympic Games, they would have a massive banquet and then you would have these leave crowns that you would sit on everyone's head of a joyous festivist season of celebration or a place of celebration. And so he says, you are my joy and my, my crown. I'm, there's not one of you that I'm thinking negatively of, or, but, but I've actually seen what Christ has laid a hold of for you in your life and that's what I'm praying and he says I, I pray that you'll stand fast in this time and I long for you I long to be with you I'm in chains but I, 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 would know, I want to just tell you you are my joy you're my family you're my crown and that's one of the things that are, is lacking in the church today because if you don't see the people around you as your family then church will always just be an event then you'll come into church and you'll think that this is church. This is just an extension of church. This is, this is not church. Our relationship is church. And unfortunately, over all these years, the people that get deceived and offended are those people that are not relationally connected. And then there's a crisis in their lives and then they found the pastor and, you know, or they just disappear. And then you think like, okay, but where's your small group? Where's the people that you're connected with? Who's the joy? Who's the crown in your life? Who's the people that can support you when your wheels, all four of them, are like pub villa? Then people say, no, 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 but, you know, I was, I was, I, I was a sort of, uh, I was a chauffeur light, you know. I, I, was, I was a, you know, like Coke light, not the real sugary stuff, but the, I, I'm a chauffeur light, you know. I, I, I just come when there's good weather. Or bad weather, you know? And I really want to commend you this morning because you, you, you conquered the spirit of Duvet, you know? And you, and you broke through that. So, so well done. Why? Because it already shows something of your commitment that it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be a fair weather Christian. I'm, I'm actually going to go, why? Because I value who God is and I value the relationships that God has placed me in. Because, wow. Dirk is my crown. He's my joy. <laughs> yeah? he's, he's like, if, if, it, if, it's, if he's blessed, then I'm blessed. 
If he goes through a tough time, I'm going through a tough time. Why? Because that's what family does. And so that's so beautiful in the, in the heart of Paul. And, and if you don't see it as that, you need to ask God to say like, hey, Lord, do you know what? Change that in my heart because maybe I'm still operating like an orphan. You know, when we were there at, in Live Village two weeks ago, they actually have a rule. They say you're not allowed when you just come for three or four days to actually engage with the children because you are going to get the expectation up and then you're going to leave again. So if you want to come, come long term, they say. But don't come in there with your flashlight and then say like, oh, lekker, lekker, I'm here to entertain you, I'm here. And then after three days, you leave. Because you're creating an expectation that you cannot meet. So rather make food in the kitchen and yes, serve there and love, you know. But how many of us operate like orphans in the church? But we see something completely different as Paul writes this message. I implore you, I implore Ioda and I implore Sintag to be of the same mind in the Lord. So I says, like, I want you to be like-minded. And I urge you also, true companion, to help these women who labored with me in the gospel. So he's like saying, okay, yo, we spoke about all these great things, but now let's get you, go and help that person and go and I urge you to go and, you know, do something and, and help the fellow workers. He says, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. <laughs> yeah? It's the theme that runs is the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation. Remember, he's in prison. Yeah? How many of us would like rejoice when things are not going lacquer? No, 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 the Lord first fix my problems, then I rejoice. But that's not biblical rejoicing because rejoicing comes from here. Thankfulness is a response of who God is and the freedom he's given us. Can I get an amen? That was a great place to say amen, okay? And the church in the West, we need to learn to do exactly what Paul is saying. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if you didn't hear again, I say rejoice. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> no, no, but you know, I'm not so, uh, you know, I'm not so, you know, I didn't have my third cup of coffee this morning and I'm not so excited, you know, and I've got a big deadline on Monday. So don't talk to me about rejoicing when it's cold and the spirit of Dubai is attacking me, you know. No, rejoice sometimes. Rejoice always. How do you rejoice? By not looking at your circumstances. By not listening to what the devil is speaking here because the greatest challenge for the believer is in your mind. When you have a passive mind, when you have a mind that is polluted or just so focusing on the world, that's why switch off the news, switch off the television, switch off the newspapers. Get to think of what God thinks. And this is what he writes a little bit later. We're going to get there because he comes back to the same theme. He says, verse 5, let your gentleness, are, are you still here this morning? I need to pick up because we're doing a whole chapter and I'm getting excited. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He says there's an urgency by which we do stuff. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's supernatural. 
The peace of God is not about the natural circumstances. He says, it surpasses all understanding. Well, what? What will that peace do when you come with asking and thanksgiving and rejoicing? It will guard your heart and your minds. You need to put up a guard over your heart and your mind, your emotions. Otherwise, the world is going to make you crazy. Facebook and Instagram is going to make you crazy. <laughs> because it wants to pollute your mind. If there's no guard over your emotions and your heart and your mind, the way you think, the way you dream, what God says about the situation, you're going to look at your prison situation. You're going to think like, oh, I'm going to die here. Ooh. You know, in a nation like South Africa, around about 40% of people struggle with intense depression, heaviness. Finally, my brethren. I'm just reading scripture this morning. Are you, are you still with me? Okay. Finally, brethren. Now, now, now put your newspaper, the Son Courant, or the Burger or the whatever, Cape August, or whatever you, or the Facebook, or the Instagram. Put that, and now you ask yourself this question. Will there be anything in that media that will reflect or talk about the following things? Because he says, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, truth, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely. Husbands, turn to your wife and say, lovely. <laughs> whatever things are of good report, <laughs> if there is any virtue, life, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If you are not going to put a God over your heart and your mind in this time, the world and especially the media will pollute you. And that's why many Christians are so trapped in fear. Because they're listening to that stuff more than what you are meditating on what is praiseworthy, good report, just, noble. Now, Paul is not writing from a place where, oh, I'm exalted. He's just said, I counted all things as rubbish, but he's sitting in prison. I can just imagine. Where's all the extroverts in the room? Right? Put your hand up, you know. Woo, all the extroverts. Okay. Imagine we leaving you on an island for three months just by yourself. Torture. You know, three weeks of lockdown was already like crazy. All the extroverts. The introverts just say, Lord, bring it on. Let the season continue, you know, just me, myself. But so many people have become very selfish and inward focused. So even, even in the modern day psychology, people say, focus inward. What? Focus inward. No, focus upward. <laughs> you know, lift up your heads. Meditate on those things that God says because it's what is praiseworthy in your life. When, and, and if we don't approach life like that, we will be corrupted. Our minds, there's no God. And then poof, people just, a thief will just come in because that's what a God does. It's a fence. It protects you. And so, you know, when, when you think of your 
spouse, when you think of your children, do you just think negative stuff? Or, or have you thought like, what nobility is there in this person? Izel said it so beautifully this morning, like, wow, this little daughter of us, she's like compassionate. She's like, I've never seen something like that in her. And this is where Paul started. He says, you are my beloved people. You are the crown and the joy of my life. I've, I can see that each one of you are wearing a crown. Why? Because he's looking differently at those people. Not like, oh, I think you should have given a bigger gift, you know. If Aphrodite's could carry a little bit more, you know. Uh, because, hey, it's like, you know, why, why don't you like really take care of my needs and why don't you pray that I get out of prison? Completely different way of thinking. Are you still with me? Verse 9. Thank you for enthusiasm, George, at the back there. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. The scripture says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Because if you meditate on those things, you can be content. You're not going to go for your next like, oh, breakthrough, your next this, your next like, oh, you. I'm content in Christ because he is my all-sufficient one. He's given me, he's, got, he's everything I need. He's forgiven me. He's given me stuff that you cannot give me. And if I'm going to look at the praise of people, if I'm going to live for that, you know, those same people that put you on that pedestal, they're going to pluck you from that pedestal tomorrow. They'll have another euro. How many of you can tell me who the Springbok captain of rugby was 30 years ago? We have some... Okay, he's not here this morning, but an older guy who played for the Springboks, so he'll know. Can anybody tell me? No, nobody can really tell me. Because names come and names go. But there's only one name. Are, are you still with me? Shake somebody next to you and say, we're wrapping up, so let's go, let's go. We're only halfway through the chapter. So when the pastor says wrapping up, it means like, hey, now we're picking up some speed. Verse 12, I know how to be abased. That he's talking about contentment. He first spoke about guarding this area. And how do you do that? By meditating, by thanksgiving, by supplication. Let your request be made known to God. And God is going to give you a peace. It's a shalom peace. It's not about what happens on the outside. It's what's happened inside. And this is, this is the war. The war is for your emotions and your, what's going on in your head. And if you cannot begin to think how God thinks, we need to lay hands on you and we need to pray for you and say, Lord, help her. I know to be a basin. I know how to abound. Everyone and on all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then we like to quote this verse. But it's in context of what we've just read the whole chapter. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where does my strength come from? From him. Because a lot of people quote that. And you'll see verse 19 also here. My God shall supply in all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. You know, your God will supply all your needs. But it's in the context of you guarding your heart. Guarding your mind, letting those old thoughts of the past say, no, I reject those things. I reject this orphan spirit over my life because he's now my Abba Father. He loves me and therefore I can be a blessing to others. I remember one day, a couple of years ago, the Lord told me I was going to preach at another place and I was really going through a tough time just of thoughts and accusations and then the Lord told me I must start the sermon by telling people that 
I'm, gonna, I'm a blessing to them. And I thought like, <laughs> you know, I was that for pride, you know. <laughs> so I just ignored it. But I just, and later on the Holy Spirit just said, no, tell them that you are a blessing to them because I sent you to them. And if they don't receive you as a blessing, then they're not going to get a blessing. But I, I didn't say that to them. I just said, I must say, you know. Because if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. Isn't that scriptural? Jesus taught his disciples, if you go into a house, if they receive you, leave your peace there. Just beautiful about receiving and blessing and, and, and learning to impart. So if you go to that house and you go and visit your neighbor and you pray and say, Father, I pray that when I get there, things will change. <laughs> Not because of me, but because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. And that's why Paul just lived in a different way. Because remember, and I'm going to say 20 times, He's in prison. He's not running around and drinking pineapple drinks with Jesus. But he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Most pastors in the Middle East today, you have to be in prison for at least three years. That's your theology degree. You only qualify if you've been in prison for three years in many of these Middle Eastern countries. Who wants to be a pastor? Come. But I want the Mercedes. I want a prosperity gospel. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's got nothing to do with prosperity. It's got about being strengthened in God. There's some of us that need to be strengthened in God. Because we look too much to our circumstances. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift. Now listen how Paul writes. It's so beautiful. He says, it's not about the gift. But if you understand spiritual things, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He says, you, you're bringing this gift to me, but it's really not about the gift. It's really not about the offering you're throwing to the offering bag. It's about an open heart. It's about a life of giving. He says, because what I seek is the fruit that abounds to your account. He says, indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, and an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He says, I'm actually out of this picture, but when you give, do you know what? It's like a sweet-smelling aroma to God. When you love somebody and you come, or when you serve, there were people here this morning from, what time, 6.30 already, packing out all these chairs, wiping, sweeping the floors, and... Reynard, congratulations, Reynard, he's engaged, you know, and <laughs> now Reynard doesn't know, but I'm talking about you, you know, I just saw him starting to whisper to Eugene, and then I thought I'm going to get him, Kaya there at, at the back, you know, there's, there's so many people, there's 40 volunteers doing children's church this morning, people that came prayed up, it's a sweet smelling aroma to Christ, so Paul has this beautiful side, he says like, that's what family is about, that is what it, this isn't just a little event we're trying to put together. There's something spiritual happening when you give, when you worship. And my God shall supply in all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's the riches of Christ. And that's what he says. That's going to be what's going to bound to you. You're going to know the riches of Christ. You're going to know the fullness of Christ. Because God will supply. And he's not necessarily talking about physical things. 
So there's this beautiful chapter. I just read a chapter of the Bible, and then at the end he has some greetings, and we don't have time to go into all of that. But it's a complete different mindset. If you read it out of a Western mindset, you will quote those two verses. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Because it's going tough with me, and so God will, God will change my circumstance. But that's not what he says. Not once does he mention, I prayed, and please pray for me to get out of prison. Rejoice always. I say rejoice. <laughs> mm. No, 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 but I first need breakthrough before rejoicing. No, no. If Christ is sufficient, we rejoice always, even in the tough times. And he says, yes, through supplication, let your request be made out to God. Talk to God. He's, he's not, you know, it's not like God is like a spoiled sport and just, you know, selfish. He isn't. He will meet every need that you have. But if you place it in context as to what are the needs of God, He's perfect. Do you think he has needs? He needs you to be a co-laborer with him. To share the love of Christ. In himself he has no needs. But he's chosen to be vulnerable and that is vulnerability comes by saying, I want to use those people to reach a broken world. I want to use those people to break that orphan spirit over that family. I want to use those people to be my love in that neighborhood and pray over that neighborhood. So God has made himself vulnerable by choosing to use the church, you and me, imperfect people. But when we have the love of God, when we realize that that person is the crown of God, there's a crown on their head, they, they're different, we operate differently because we're family because we love each other, because we love God. Don't say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor. Come on. I remember one day driving and, and going to drop, one evening going to drop a student that was serving. And as I was um, just stopped there in the rant, the boerant, upper rant, the rand up there, I um, he got out of the car and I, and I thought like, I must ask him whether he's hungry. And so I just said to him, like, hey, I don't know why I'm asking you this question, but are you hungry? And then he started to weep. He said, for two days I've not eaten a meal. He was part of a small group. He was part of serving in the church. So there's already a lot of needs just, just around us. Just ask but if we're selfish, if we're looking at our prison all the time, we never have the opportunity. This is what Paul says, hey, this gift of Ephroditus, all this stuff. I'm actually praying for something more in your life. I'm praying that you'll know the joy of the Lord. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's something God wants to unlock in the church, but, but, but we need to... We need to make a commitment to an imperfect body of people that all love Jesus. Because deception and offense is on the increase. And I love what Tim Keller said. He said, this lockdown will increase the selfishness of the church in the West like never before. 
Because either you're going to focus inward or you're going to focus upward. Either you're going to say like, Lord, I'm in such a bad space. But if you want the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, learn to give thanks. Learn to ask Him. Learn to praise Him. Despite the outcome, rejoice always. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.